Hooray, both are working, which means that we're going to fucking start, because that's how you start things. Uh, today is podcast episode number 14 on season one, and today I have with me Tara. You want to introduce thine self? <laughs> introduce thine self. <laughs> Whatever, I never know how to start these damn things. <laughs> <laughs> Plain, basic, and simple. <laughs> Well, there you go. Plain, basic, and simple. So Tara and I have been friends for quite some time. We uh, went all the way back to the military days when I first started hanging out with uh, a couple other people, and we became slow friends after that. And now here we are, reconnecting years later. And I thought we'd do something a little different today. Uh, Tara has a bunch of video game facts about video games, and so for the video game portion, I thought that we'd just let her kind of spill into it. So... What do you got for this for this week? Oh, fair and simple. Just the uh, a salute to the basic history of what brought all of gaming to be what it is. Where are we starting um, at? Oh, how far back would you like to go? Because <laughs> it is a hundred billion dollar global industry <laughs> with nearly two thirds of American homes holding gamers. <laughs> That's not scripted at all. <laughs> <laughs> If it was a video, I'd hold the Pepsi up and go ahead and get uh, some rights for that. <laughs> what uh, I remember that you said you because I know we we dove into it a little bit while we were just talking, and I told you to shut up because I wanted to save a genuine reaction for this. You were saying like it was like 1952 or something like that. So uh, what was it? It was back in '52. Um, there was a, a, a technically a game that was called OX or OXO or tic-tac-toe. It was, uh, it was part of a, a doctoral dissertation at the University of Cambridge. That was kind of what got it all started, but it was in 58 when uh, Tennis for Two was created on a large analog computer, and you know where it goes from there, you know, the, the computer that takes up the room. <laughs> Have you seen that picture where they're uh, hauling in, like, I think I think it was a, a eight bit eight megabits or something crazy like that, and they were offloading. Yeah, it I remember that in history books. Yeah, like this tiny little this tiny little th- thing now holds way more memory than this entire thing that was needed to haul on the back of a box truck. Yeah, yeah, you had to keep the room at such and such temperature, otherwise you'd end up with something going boom. And to think it all started. <laughs> did did it all start with the? Uh, the uh, what was what was that machine that the Germans had in World War Two? The um, not the Enigma, but their their code, their code box, and then that that one guy broke it. I know they did the imitation game off of it. Oh, I can't even. Oh, yeah, I've gone complete brain jello. I'll that'll be something I'll have to look up for you another time. <laughs> uh, that, no, that's fine. I was just kind of curious if that tied into it because I know that was technically like the first computer. And then mm-hmm. a couple years later, like, hey, let's make a video game. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was it was things like the Tennis for Two that, you know, end up eventually bring about stuff like, uh, you know, the Oregon Trail and stuff like that. I remember. Real, uh, real shoddy graphics. They weren't that shoddy for the, for the time frame. Those were actually pretty awesome. No, but those of us who watched it come into being, we look back at it and we're like, oh, we found that entertaining. Oh yeah, I I look back at some PlayStation Two. We were talking about Tekken earlier today, 
and I, I or Tekken earlier, I had looked at some graphics of Tekken three. I don't I I thought that was game changing. Yeah. That's uh that's definitely where you started to see things taking a turn. Um fabric became more believable. The hair didn't sit stiff, it actually moved along with the airflow. It was uh it was definitely it was definitely cutting edge. Yeah, but I just I still look back at it and I, it looked all boxy and everything else like that. I I remember thinking that is what I thought like what video games are nowadays. That's how I thought it looked back then. Like no yep. matter what no matter what game I go back to, I'm like that looked amazing. And now I look at it I'm like how did I even think that was awesome that is horrible. <laughs> it's like looking back at an X. <laughs> Why did I think this was good? <laughs> Oh man, I, I'm going to refrain from commenting on that one. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. It, I had to go down that rabbit hole for a second. No, it's it's all good. Um, so <laughs> after after I know you said XO, and then was there anything after that that you were able to find that was kind of like little interesting blurbs? Oh, interesting wise, yeah, not so much. I mean, they had a they had a few things that would come up here and there, but a lot of it ended up being just basically uh, it, it didn't quite pan out. Um, the The graphics didn't work out or the gameplay didn't extend out long enough. It was very boring, very droll, kind of a, kind of like Pong. Um, it Pong really was wasn't until the late 60s that they started seeing good stuff come about. It, what was it? It... Uh, I think it was about 60, 66, 67, um, they invented the prototype for the first multiplayer, multi-program video game system. They called it the brown box. It was the first one that could be played on a television. Wow. That was, that's pretty much where in-home gaming had its start. Way back in 1966 was the start of multiplayer. Jesus. Yeah, it was uh, Ralph Baer is the guy who invented it. And some people refer to him as the father of video games. Um, he ended up licensing, licensing this device with Magnavox. Hmm. And it sold the system to the consumers as the Odyssey. I, I don't know how many people will remember the Odyssey because that, that predates even me. And that's actually a gaming system that I personally have never even seen. Um, their first gate video game for that, that home console was in 72. And over a few years, that primitive odyssey, it would pretty much just fizzle out and die and it would vanish, which could be why we don't really see that system or even hear about it. Wow. Um, I'm actually it, looking it at the, legacy though. It did. I'm actually looking at the odyssey right now. I, I decided to Google it on the computer and um, it looks very much like a, oh man, it looks like a very early version of a computer. Like it's, wow, that's impressive. Like in, back in the sixties, it looks very much, I can see where, cause it, I'm looking at it and it looks like an Atari. Like I, it's, it's rough and it's rugged. Yeah. I, damn. And it's funny you mentioned the, that it resembles the Atari because uh, the Odyssey had 28 games. And it inspired the, uh, the Atari's Pong game, which was the first uh, arcade game 
and it was released in 1972. Um, in 75 is when the home version of Pong was released, and it was equally as successful as its arcade counterpart. Hmm. The only the only game I've ever played was the Moon Patrol on Atari. Ah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. That was that was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> my my babysitter uh, at the time, because this was back when you know babysitters they were very popular, and I remember going over to her house one time, and she's like, "Hey guys, I got the Atari," and that was when I first fell in love with video games. I you know, she'd let you play with it for like five, ten minutes or two or three lives, and then you'd hand it off to the next person. I, I was sucked in. I, I, that was my first introduction into video games, and I will never forget that at all. Yes, and the Atari was uh, was the very first gaming system that I ever got to touch, and I got it years after everybody else had already played it. Well, it I, it was uh, it was definitely interesting, and yeah, Pong, Space Invaders, stuff like that. Those were the games I started with. It's, I wonder because I was I must have been like seven or eight, which would have maybe made that back in the nineties, early nineties. Moon Patrol came out in like nineteen eighty two. Okay, maybe or that maybe that's yeah. So that was plastic. Yeah. I cannot believe, like, just the few little snippets. Damn, just so many. It started so. I can't believe it started so early, and it's it evolved into all this craziness now, where we're playing with 150 people online all at the same time from all over the world. Exactly, and that that's what that's what makes the entire thing just it's so wild, especially when you look at the timeline. The, the technology going from the 77 Atari release of the 26, you know, the 2600. That's mm-hmm. what everybody had in their home. That was that was the one that came with the joy chick, joysticks, the uh, interchangeable game cartridges. It, you could play multicolored games. Mm-hmm. We exploded almost overnight from these real jerky movements to fully interactive you are playing with somebody five five continents away i i still remember the first time that they were like you could play with people online and i'm like <laughs> what is the online and what do you like so, like i can play because when, whenever we were talking about playing multiplayer it was you had you and your four friends with four n64 controllers the rumble packs thrown in there pizza mountain dew and call of duty or not Call of Duty, but double, you know, 007. That oh was, my gosh! Yeah, that was multiplayer. Yeah. Not <laughs> you're playing with that brought people together. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was real social interaction. <laughs> or those, or those land parties where you get locked into a building and you're all playing games against each other in a big giant room that's air cooled by seven HVAC units just pouring down on you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it, I think that's what I like the most about uh, video games period is the history that's behind it and watching how fast we were able to upgrade and then upgrade again and then upgrade some more. It, it just, it's like I said, it was an explosion overnight. I mean, and there's, think... there's something exciting about it. 
Well, I mean, the PlayStation Two was like one of the first times that they that was they came with the Ethernet cable that you could plug into the back, and it was the the gateway. And now we're almost at PlayStation Five, where, damn, Ooh. just, hmm. I remember when they first started hooking the Ethernet to it, and I'm like, an Ether what? <laughs> 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 that uh, the day I hooked that up, incited a lot of curse words. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little irritated only to discover my television was not as uh, up to par as my uh, gaming console was. Yeah, I've, I I, kind of got lucky with that. My parent, my stepdad was always real big into the newest, best, biggest TV. So I never had a problem with that. God, all those nights hooking up all those random systems. Hey, Jared, come hook um, this up for me. He had a 400 disc changer with like... 10 speakers or something like that guess who got to figure that out oh lucky you yeah no that was my introduction into technology that's why that's why that's the only reason why i know so much about technology is because of his upgrades and then he's like oh jared will just do it he'll figure it out (laughs) (laughs) kind of like give it to mikey he'll eat anything yeah give it to mikey yeah (laughs) i mean and with with all the vast advancements and stuff, it's not like they didn't. It's not like that that industry did not see some form of uh, you know pitfalls to it. Oh yeah, like, for sure. In '83, they had kind of a, a crash, um, oversaturated you know game console market. There were competition from other computer gaming systems, and a massive massive surplus of overhyped low quality games. Um, Atari can still boast to this day the the worst, absolute worst game to ever hit the market, and it would be the infamous E.T. based off of the movie. Yep, they, that was a disaster. I watched that documentary on it. Oh, man, was that a disaster. Oh, and to this day, I have tried. I have tried to hunt it down. I want to see how bad that was. God bless YouTube, though. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah. I did manage to find it. It is horrible. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the documentary, I think they buried like thousands of copies in a landfill. I don't remember if they actually found the the copies of it, but they actively tried to destroy that game. Oh my gosh! That's oh. if, if I'm yeah if I'm remembering if I'm remembering the documentary correctly, but they actively like tried to destroy the game. It was rushed. There was just so many things wrong with it. And then I did get, you did get to see a little bit of gameplay in the documentary, but it's absolutely it, it's absolutely disgusting. I it it's like how EA does video games now. They they're like eh, it's good enough for for a little bit of a release, <laughs> and then and now oh my god, yeah, it was. It was like they didn't even half finish the game from what it sounded like and from a lot of people who played it. It it was an absolute disaster. Well, I mean, and with the market the way it was, you had so many different competing companies wanting to be on the top of that mountain that they rushed, massively rushed getting certain games out. So a lot of the glitches were overlooked and consumers were ticked. I mean, I... I'd be pretty ticked off too. I mean, it's it's like your stuff glitching on you left and right. You don't want that. You're you're there to actually interact to to really get into the game and evaporate away from reality. It's kind of hard to do that when your game sucks. <laughs> yeah, if if you can find a way to skip through two levels because you accidentally ran into a wall real fast, next thing you know, you don't know what you're doing or where you're at. 
that would suck massively. You yeah, know? exactly. I mean, how much were video? I mean, video games were like what, 30, 40 bucks back then, maybe 60, but give you know, or with, take. Yeah. Yeah. But like with inflation, like that, you know, 20 bucks back in the eighties was big, was a oh, lot, yeah. a lot of money. Oh yeah. You see that with tooth fairy money now. Um, yeah. when I was, you got a quarter. Yeah, you These got a quarter. Five bucks a tooth. I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> what do babysitters get paid? Because I got 50 cents a kid. <laughs> oh, there boy. Was... They get paid way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mom accidentally put, uh, I think it was 40 bucks under my brother's pillow one time on accident. <laughs> Lucky <laughs> dog. Uh, it was uh... drunk. <laughs> she she did have a little bit of wine but it was hilarious and my brother's like i got 40 bucks from the tooth fairy and i'm like that's that's when i realized i was like the tooth fairy may not be real <laughs> right right that's when we figured out our childhood was a lie i'll take i'll take a lie any day to to get to get a little extra cash in my pocket if especially if mom's a little wine drunk but <laughs> uh, see and i had always told myself i'm gonna be a better tooth fairy yeah this tooth fairy forgot to put the money under there uh, and when the child complained the next day i rushed off to the restroom to, to kind of hide because that's the only place parents can get privacy and in my tiniest handwriting wrote an apology letter from the tooth fairy. <laughs> I sprayed it with glitter and everything. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Needless to say, she was appeased. And as an apology, she woke up the next day with a $10 bill. <laughs> that's, that's a hell of an apology for a tooth fairy. Jesus. I, I felt horrible. <laughs> that's awesome. Dude, I feel bad. That's some creativity right there. <laughs> that is definitely some creativity. I would have never, uh, my dad used to take his snow boots and then walk like right before we would wake up, he would take his snow boots, walk through the the living room to the, to the, uh, to the tree. And then he would leave snow prints and then he'd wake us up real fast before the snow melted. And we're like, oh, Santa walked through here. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, hop on Pinterest. Cause you know, there's a plug right there. Pinterest. Um, they've actually got recipes to make fake snow so that you can do the prints through the living room and they don't melt. Wow. That's no need to get up at 5 a.m. to prep it. <laughs> that's some DIY magic right there. I can't believe how many things Pinterest and, and, and those, the, the shit you can find online. Oh my God. To do anything and everything. Oh God. Yeah. That's like the little plastic piece at the end of a shoelace. I now know what its name is. <laughs> didn't even care that it had a name it has a name i think it's called like a an egglet or or something along those lines i can look it back up and i'm so, sure i'm mispronouncing it so the little the little caps on the end of your shoelaces and the little caps on the end of your hoodies hoodie strings have a name yeah i think it, that's like i was telling you the other day when when dogs get that just wild hair and they're, they're running everywhere acting goofy it actually has a name. It is called the Zoomies. You know, I, I've seen that on subreddits before where it's like, oh, this is, it's as, you know, oh, it's Zoomies. And I just, I thought it was just a, a funny little nickname for what the dog was doing. But I didn't know it was the actual technical term. <laughs> yep. And now that's the thing you know. <laughs> We're learning today. 
right? <laughs> so I was yeah. gonna, I was gonna actually ask you a, a couple because we we did mention Tekken a little while ago. You mm -hmm. said you said you were a fan of five and seven. Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, five and seven were the ones that I seemed to get the most into. Why exactly? I'm not sure. I think because it was. And, and like I've told you, I'm a button masher fan. I, I, I really love those types of games just because you don't have to be very proficient to do well. It's kind of a, it's kind of an everyman game. Mm -hmm. No matter how you know uncoordinated you are, you can still win a tournament just by smashing a bunch of buttons down. And on occasion, you'll actually memorize some of the moves. I don't know. That. Have you? That's why I liked it. Have you seen some of those tournament guys, like on Super Smash Brothers, and some of the tournaments where people actually fight, and it's super calculated moves? Oh yes, yeah. That it it it, it popped my bubble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say the least, it popped my bubble. I was like, oh, now I gotta think. <laughs> oh yeah, I've I've seen some Super Smash Brother videos where dudes are like, oh, check out this clutch win. And I can almost see the thought process that they're going through while they are doing the doing the match. It is just the thought process. You see it, and you're like, "Oh my god, I I didn't, you know, I was I used to do Eddie Gordo, you know, the the break dancing guy in Tekken Three. He just kind of you just smash the controller, and and you know he swing kicks and he dances around, and you know it was really hard to get him. But I remember my brothers used to play as Eddie Gordo. And they would do that. They would just smash buttons. Well, you remember the orange biker dude, the orange-haired biker dude, uh, Guanum or yeah, or what? yeah. I learned, yeah. I learned how to counter all that stuff with his low and high kicks. So I'd kick you low and then pop you up and then just keep you in the air so that way you never touch the ground and the button mashing doesn't work. But oh, there were thought, definite thought processes and like. Have you seen those have you seen those videos where the dudes who are like really good with their friends enter like real tournaments and then just get their asses handed to them? <laughs> those always make me feel better about myself. <laughs> yeah, de yeah, definitely. I uh I just I there's a different level b between just the regular fun me and my friends are going to kick it to to that um, massive. See, and I always gravitated towards uh Alyssa. Um Boskanovich, I believe is how you pronounce the last name. She was the, uh, she was the, um, cyborg, I, I guess you could say. Um, she was the one that had the, the wing like jets that would come out of your back so that she had a brief moment of flight for, you know, getting into a counterattack. She okay. had the ability to blow chainsaws out of her arms, <laughs> which was her destroy form stance. And the best was uh, the head explosion. She would remove <laughs> her head during one of her grapples and throw it at you, and it would blow up. That's just awesome. To, to me, I was like, oh, that is so <laughs> awesome. I want, oh, yes, I want to do that to so many people. <laughs> and yes, I so like that Tekken would bring over mm -hmm. other characters from different things. Like they brought over uh, Cammy. From Street Fighter. The crossovers are huge nowadays. Oh, God, yeah. That's like we were talking about the Marvel versus Capcom. Mm-hmm. You're, you're smashing together all this nostalgia, so it's no wonder they were so flippin' popular. 
Well, I mean, when you take two things that are awesome and you combine those two awesome things, that yeah, it's going to kick ass. It's really going to yeah, kick ass. Yeah, it's like ice cream's great, but it's best with cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> One character I never understood why people never played much often was Yosemitsu with the sword. Like, how is that oh. not... Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't popular, was he? He wasn't that popular. Have you ever got to do his little sword dance where he hops on the top of his sword and just tops around on it? I I successfully managed it a handful of times by accident. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, you're sitting there going, dude, how'd I do that? Hang on, hang on. Stand back. I'm not going to hit you. Just stand back. Hang on. I want to figure this out. We all had that conversation, and then suddenly someone rushes you. It was so not fair. I was trying to figure this out. I won the match. No, you didn't. You cheated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stay back. I got to read the list. Hold on, man. See, you you've had yeah, yeah, you've had that conversation. <laughs> well, I I also had uh, two brothers, and I had like eight or nine cousins that we had the PlayStation One. And when Tekken 3 was really, really big, there was like a week or two where we had the cousins all over. And Oof. all of the cousins would sit around, and it was like, you, you play the match, winner keeps the controller and just moves on. Yeah, the, the huge tournaments. Yeah, yeah just, like, uh, just like when you go to play pool, you set your quarters down, I've got next game. Yeah. So you're going to play the winner of the last game. Yeah, that that was how we did it too, like when, when Goldeneye came out. <laughs> and then you were finally able to do two players on the same screen and it was, it was really cool, but that's, that's how we played it. Okay. I'm playing the winner. Yeah. I miss those days. I do. I miss that interaction of sitting in the same room with your friends and, and being able to, you know, physically push them across the room when they screw (laughs) up. (laughs) I, I miss those days so much. That's why any chance I get, I used to, I used to play with Brandon in the like i i had two tvs uh, i because i wanted tv from work and so i had two flat screens and i used to invite him over just to play battlefield 3 where he would be on one tv i'd be on the other and we would just squat up and play play together even though playing online with him is a lot of fun if you're in the same room it just there's something so awesome about that yeah there and there is something to be said about Oh man, it's just, it's like the difference between reading your Kindle and reading a real book. I don't know. I think it's just that nostalgia I was talking about, which is, you know, and it's one of the major reasons why I like the Marvel versus Capcom, uh, particularly number two over many, many other games. I mean, if somebody pulls that up, I'm going to come running into the room and take my spot (laughs) because the, the Capcom games, they hold, they hold they hold very dear to my heart. Um, I discovered those playing arcade stuff when I lived in Japan with my mom. Well, it d- didn't Capcom didn't because I know Killer Instinct was a big one back in the arcade um, days. Yeah, I and then yeah, I know because uh, I used to play a lot in arcades too. Like that was a thing that we used to we used to go to the roller rink and. I would I wouldn't even rent roller skates. I'd be like, no, I just I'm gonna go in the arcade, man. But <laughs> I remember when you out of quarters, you go play air hockey. <laughs> yeah, I remember the Capcom fighting games were always the ones that legit just had a whole bunch of people lined up. There was never a shortage of people wanting to play the Capcom. Was that was yeah. that really what kicked it off? 
Like, I think so. I really do. I think that's and uh, add to it. The characters were just the characters were cool. Yeah, like, they were. I loved uh, I loved playing with the cat lady uh, Felicia. <laughs> she had this. Uh, she kind of she did this uh, Sonic the Hedgehog spin, and when you needed a quick attack, she would do this turnaround and, and kick sand at you the way a cat kicks in a box. The the character was so agile and so easy to maneuver. But it was it was the graphics that were just they were gripping. And I think that's what drew a lot of people in. The more exciting it looked, the more you wanted to play it. And their backgrounds were revolutionary for the time too when they came out. Like they oh, were and they amazing. Were beautiful. Some of them remind me of Kincaid paintings. It's like to just hold still, I want to look at the forest. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I'm very cliche though. Like I like Ken and Ryu. I was never I was never really that you know I'd never really branched out from anybody else. But I remember some of those backgrounds and just looking at the game. It was pretty awesome to watch that stuff, especially with how interactive the game was itself. I mean, the dudes standing on the dock in the background cheering you on as you're fighting. Like you don't yes. get much you don't get much better than that. Or you know the temple the original temple background. Like dude, just the games were amazing. It's like it's so much it's so much detail and so much to take in. And every time you play certain levels, you see something new in there, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like the guy in the background. <laughs> yeah. At first, you don't realize it, but you're sitting there going, oh, my God, he's moving. Yeah. It was yeah. it was just it was so neat. Now um, you've got now you got games where you get to experience the whole environment around you, not just not just a panel behind you. Mm-hmm. Well, it was uh, the 3D, form. the 3D interactive backgrounds now where you can like kick people out of the, out of the arenas and stuff like that. Yes. Oh, yeah. it, it's just, it's wild. And I like, that's like, you get the game fable. You, you can interact with so many of the props I think I mentioned that the other day. Ooh, I think we may have lost her. Facebook for the fail. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you I are. had a cut on. <laughs> there we are. We're back. Yeah, we, I live we lost in the country, Jan. so I have bad reception. <laughs> That's right. No, but uh, it's like I was saying with the game Fable, you you can interact with all of your props. Mm-hmm. And I had mentioned the other day, you know, sometimes you just want to run around and kick the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I liked Fable because it, it reminded me a little bit of a, it was kind of like Legend of Zelda. It, yep. Again, with that nostalgia. <laughs> well, you uh, it, you kind of feel like a kid again when you play them. I actually haven't played, I tried to play Fable way back when. And then I think one of the, one of the Call of Duties or one of the Battlefields where it was released and I I never picked it back up again. I think I I actually had Fable Three, but it was it was really like a a way more different Legend of Zelda, but a little bit more advanced. Yeah, kind of. And I did I did like how it started off. I I was really getting to the storyline, but I know what, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've seen some some of that stuff where it Fable is a really nice game. It's very revered. It's it it's up there like with Skyrim and stuff like that. Oh gosh, yeah, and again, it's so aesthetically pleasing. Like, it 
it's almost got a cutesy kind of look to it. And I've noticed <laughs> that women tended to gravitate more towards that game than guys did. So when you say you, you chose some of those others over it, more of the, the first person shooter type stuff, I'm not surprised. Well, then again, I remember, really not. remember what I did though. That was, you know, <laughs> I was, I was a cop in the military for basic, a lack of, lack of a better phrase. It, it was something that I could do because, you know, I love doing the exercises where you run around with guns and stuff like that. But in the game, I got to actually participate in a whole bunch of other things instead of, oh, safety kill, safety kill. Or, you know, I, oh, I loved wow. it when we would use simunitions and we'd run around and, you know, convert our M4s into the paintball guns and shoot each other. That shit was so <laughs> fun. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> that 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 is that's fun you can go ahead and keep <laughs> you yeah. can keep that fun <laughs> uh, so many so many stories uh you know they give you they give you a cup too and i remember one time i got shot in the nuts and i felt <laughs> it through the and i i i physically dropped to the ground in sheer pain but i'd still i'd still take that over playing a video i'd still take that any day over playing a video game just because it was so fun and interactive because like i play these kids online and I'm like, I know I pulled the trigger. Like you were watching me live stream the other day and you're like, oh, you totally got that, dude. You totally got him. And I was like, yeah, I did. Because I know in real life, I I got real quick reflexes. I could smoke somebody, you know, these little kids playing. If we could totally VR into a situation, oh, I would top the leaderboards. But I know it's, I just, I hate that, you know, because I can really do things and I can actually show off the skills that I've learned which have zero place in the real world. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, uh, I, I think that comes down to that whole human element. Yeah. Um, in the real world, you have the human element when you're playing in a video game. It's, it's, it, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna play out the way it really should, which is why you get these 12, 13 year old kids running around thinking they're hot shit. <laughs> Well, I mean, there I've seen some of those kids, and their hand-eye coordination is phenomenal. I cannot believe oh. how just a quick twitch, and they're just and you're like, "Damn, dude!" Like I still would have been like moving a little slower. I just I I see some of the sensitivities some of these kids play with. Like they jiggle their mouse just a tiny bit, and they've done complete circles. I yes, yes. Well, you heard it the other day. I was sitting there trying to help my daughter set up the <laughs> gift card, and I ended up having to hand it over. Like, here, just just take it. I looked like the old person using the <laughs> index finger on a cell phone. I'm going to take her row. H? Where's the E at? Oh, there's the E. <laughs> <laughs> and she is she's so quick, and, and it just it blows my mind she she reacts so fast and i i absolutely i love watching her play her games like when she plays fortnite i love watching how fast she she connects her brain to her hand and you can watch their eyes just jut back and forth taking everything in and i think i think that's why i've leaned away from actually playing and enjoy watching more than anything have you ever noticed that she doesn't blink? I have. <laughs> I mom. have. And I'm sitting there going, no wonder you win all those staring contests. <laughs> You're well-practiced. 
my mom used to give me so much shit. She would just be like, you don't blink. It's not healthy for your eyes. You just don't, you don't tear away from it. Oh no. The best is, uh, do you ever catch yourself just kind of hanging your mouth open? (laughs) My brother would do that. I watched her playing and her mouth started drooping open. And that's what I'm paying. (laughs) I'm not paying attention to the screen anymore. Now I'm watching her. All of a sudden she goes, ew, she's drooling. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, it's little moments, the little things. Does she does she do the tongue thing where she sticks her tongue out just a little bit, like when she's thinking real hard? No, that oh. would be me. My... I have a tendency to do that um, when I'm trying to learn a new game. She was... <laughs> She had some new Sonic the Hedgehog thing, and she really wanted me to play along. So against my better judgment, I joined in. Well, it's uh, it was it was basically like a major race. First, you're doing it in a car, then you're in then you're in a plane, and on oh, and on and on. Okay, yeah. Now she noticed something funny about me. You know the the first generation gamers. <laughs> I lean side to yes. side. <laughs> <laughs> she looks at me and she goes, Mama, what are you doing playing the game? Why are you wiggling around? <laughs> my, like, I, have, I have no idea. <laughs> my hippie brother does that, and I just call him a hippie because I, I don't want to say his real name. I, I haven't gotten his permission yet. But it was so funny because he would stick his tongue out. And like when he would play the skateboarding games or the racing games, he'd He'd lean with the he'd like he'd move the controller and he'd lean left and or lean right and ah oh, it was just I God I, I you, you don't wanna... even know you're doing it it's like automatic no. response yeah have and, and I I've pushed him a few like I, I wanted to push him a few times just to kind of push him over because he's leaning so far to the left when he's trying to turn like dude it's <laughs> not helping you turn it's not <laughs> dude you're kind of in my bubble. <laughs> <laughs> He was so he was so good at Tony Hawk's Pro Skater though with that little tongue mm. thing that he did he would concentrate so hard he used to be so I good. I remember at that. when that game came out it was like no matter whose house you went to that's yep. the game that was playing and I remember it because the soundtrack was awesome. Yes, <laughs> I that... loved it because I already knew all the songs. <laughs> the songs were amazing. I think that was that's half of what made the game was just that. It's no longer just a bunch of ambient backgrounds. You get to listen to music while it's playing, too. And it's good music, too. Yeah. Well, and even right now, thinking about it, I can hear it in the back of my head (laughs) playing. A little bit of Rage Against the Machine going, too. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I think I'm going to change up my playlist tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. yeah. it's, It's interesting how how much it's all changed though it really is and i i think i think where it really all started was you know when you know after that crash when when the industry started to recover that was when we saw nes come out yeah nintendo yeah they had the improved 8-bit graphic colors and oh you oh my gosh the sound just just the sound quality it, it it was so superior to any other consoles, you know, before it. Well, I mean, it, 
it even though even though it was just the little you know boop 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 you know the little boops it it's it's gone it it was it was a massive overhaul from what it used to be to what it is and i mean now i just you know and it, i remember when i you remember when surround sound first came out right oh i was floored by it i was absolutely floored the headset that i just bought for 40 bucks um it's the recon the 70 recon force headphones for with turtle beach they have now upgraded to the 7.1 digital surround sound i can hear where someone is running like it used to be left ear right ear you know when you hear somebody running um, but now i can hear like back left someone is approaching and i've actually got a video dropping on tuesday where i actually show you that i, I can see him on the mini map but i can also hear him how close they like I could hear how close he was getting to me that's how amazing the sound has gotten nowadays oh my god well get down with your fancy self but that was I can't <laughs> well I bought the headphones just because they were like 40 bucks and I was like I, I don't need that much of an expensive headphones because rest in peace the old ones that just died on me oh. um but like it just said, it was oh, this one's got you know the digital surround sound additional with it that's built in for the next generation of gaming, and I was like oh that's kind of cool. And then I checked it out, and I really I really set everything up today. Holy banana sandwich, Batman! That shit is amazing. Oh God, see yeah, I I try really really hard to get the little one into you know good headsets. I've gotten a really really kick butt one. You, know, you had your microphone set up to it and all that jazz. And this was just a few years back, so I know there's advancements that have been made. But uh, she still insists upon something basic like earbuds. I well, did not know you could hook your earbuds mm -hmm. up to that. I've been using I was uh, I was using the earbuds for a little bit to play. Um, I guess I'll ruin the surprise. I actually got her a pair of white ones. Yeah, oh. the the same ones that I just bought because like when I plugged them in, and uh, I you know I said forget it you know here you go have some white ones because those mm. are amazing I cannot believe how awesome these are so yeah I don't know what color her Xbox is but I got her a white pair so oh my gosh you <laughs> oh you're about the sweetest guy in the entire universe you know that right my my teeth hurt you're so sweet. <laughs> Well, you told me you told me that she loves gaming, and I know that as somebody who is in uh, you know a position to where gaming is a release or a freedom, you know sometimes it's the equipment that you use, and I I love it when I because I remember upgrading for the first time to something amazing. I remember the first time I've upgraded to something e even better than amazing, and I just can't fathom how in depth you could get with the with the gaming. And, and just doing just doing a normal thing on your Xbox or playing a round of Fortnite that's just, even though you suck, the equipment that you use makes it all that much better. And yeah. why deprive someone of, some, of something, you know? Give them an amazing experience. And that's what video games are all about, right? Exactly. I uh, I get I get a little bit of garbage from people who know me because, you know, she's, she's getting ready to turn 11 this summer. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you let her do this and you let her play that. And it's one of those things where you really got to sit and watch how she interacts with it. I mean, she really gets into it. Um, 
when she's when she's in the midst of playing, I've watched her grip her controller so tight she white knuckles it. <laughs> and she gets so down with it that she's sitting there going, Oh, come on, that's just not right. <laughs> it just I find it I find it so entertaining. I love it. And she goes, Oh, could you just Mom, go away. This is private to me. <laughs> no, this is fun. I was actually white knuckling it earlier. I was uh, playing the, the new game mode that I told you I was playing. I was in a situation where I could hear all the gunfire in the distance, and there's a lot of people going, and it's it was a singles match where it's me against like everybody else in the world, and it was down to like four. It was down to like forty people, and I didn't know where it was coming from, and I couldn't see anyone. And I was just gripping the controller with everything I got. I'm like, oh, hands are sweaty, hands are sweaty, wiping my hands every couple of minutes, and I'm I uh that is some of the best gaming in the world though you just do not you can't drop it you you live for moments like that yeah Um, you getting the blinders on and at that moment that's the only thing that exists not not bills not not your your rotten boss or your stupid co-workers right then right there that's your reality and it's really cool to see how fantasy and reality can intermingle like that there was a oh my god there was there was a game um that came out a number of years ago that was oh i think it was medal of honor i think oh. it was actually called Met- not medal oh my god medal of honor games um now okay we got to google this because i really want to talk about it cuz it it really reminds <laughs> me of, of what's going on medal of honor warfighter i think is the na- of the game that actually came out Oh, no, see, I had never played, but I have heard, I've heard some really, really good feedback. Yeah, Medal of Honor is where it all started for the, for, uh, for a lot of the, the first person shooters. That's exactly where it started. Yeah. Yeah. Medal of Honor Warfighter. This game came out and I remember I was, I, I bought it. I got the limited edition and all that other crazy stuff. I was like, yep, getting, getting everything that's crazy. And it really cemented a lot of what I what I say is now a storyline. Like this cemented how good storylines can be. Until I played Battlefield three and four, but I remember putting on my Turtle Beach headset, which were the best at the time because I could afford it, plugging it in, closing my door, locking my door in the, the house that I was living in with all the other people. I literally said, "Do not disturb me." I got goosebumps. I got chills. And after I got done playing the seven or eight hours of storyline that was going on in that game, it was like I had entered a whole brand new world. It, um, I I remember there's a scene where you're walking down the roll patrolling and it just all of a sudden you hear that cat, 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 cat of the AK-47 going off. I got the chills and your guy's like, oh, shit, 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 shit. And he's running down the he's running down a ravine and you're like, oh, run faster, 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 faster. And just you were so I you could get so immersed in the games. Oh, I wish I could just wipe everything and restart some of these games. Oh, and that I think that's why I hang on to all those old gaming consoles because I get picked on for it. You know, yeah, I got a GameCube. That's right. Real old school here. But I hold on to it specifically to kind of wipe that slate clean and go back and do it again. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've got a, I got a Super NES sitting under the bed right now. I'm missing um, some components for it, like the PlayStation 2, but I've got a Super Nintendo just sitting under the bed chilling right about now. I've, uh, I've been, yeah, I've 
been kind of cute. I, I got it for, I sold a motorcycle that I had. Like, well, it wasn't really a motorcycle, it was a moped. But he, he only could get me so much <laughs> cash, and he was like, hey, you want a Super Nintendo? I was like, yeah, I'll take a Super Nintendo with cash. Are you kidding me? That oh Super Nintendo is going to be worth a lot of a lot of something in a number of years. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, and it, it's not even... It's not even about the monetary value. I I really don't think I can put a dollar amount on half that stuff. Because when when I sit down and I play Mario Party, I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to be worth so much if I hold on to it. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking about the times that I got together with my buddies to play. Or... I was just having a crummy day and that was what helped me feel a little bit better. Cause he can't help but feel better after playing Mario. He's so oh, cheery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the music is just, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's crummy, but it's catchy. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's that nostalgia, just like you were talking about the nostalgia that brings everything back and you're just, all right, this is what we're going to, you know, this is, I remember when I first played this, I remember when I first heard this, Oh yeah. yeah, that level. Yeah, just bringing it back, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I love games that you can do that. You, way. you get that. You get that warm, squishy, fuzzy feeling, or it reminds you of the time that your sibling ticked you off. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's when I was playing this, and so and so hit me, and I, I, I died for the final, final death, and I had to restart all over. Oh, oh. man, that I, I see those, I see those dumb little memes online. It's like, oh, pick a pill. You know, and if there was definitely that button to wipe clean something to re-experience, I, I I would have a hard time saying no over that or infinity money, you know. Oh, heck, I'd have a hard time picking something that I'd want to wipe clean. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 I could definitely sit there and think of quite a few things. Oh, you know, that, that's that's why what you do is you, you get all the games that you know you want to play, you take the pill, wipe everything clean, and just go, oh, these all look fun, and then you just go through the list. <laughs> Although I've I've gone back to replay old stuff, you know, like when my daughter first started playing video games, I said, "All right, we're starting at the bottom up." So I I gave her the the first generation of Mario Brothers, and uh, as we're going through, I'm like, "I don't remember that. I don't remember that. When <laughs> did that stuff. happen?" Yeah, <laughs> my my age caught up with me, and I felt kind of <laughs> bad, but. It was neat because she was discovering it for the first time. And after it having been so long since I played, it felt like I was I was discovering it again with her for the first time. That's the best when it's been so long that you just you rediscover the game. It it made a nice bonding moment. It was kind of squishy. I I don't know what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, well, in your sense, it, it could be, you know, bonding with a sibling or uh, you know a, a cousin or something like that yeah the, yeah those moments where it's just like cool this is a thing we will we will remember together for a while yeah uh, nieces and nephews there is nothing better than uh being the bad influence for a niece or a nephew and then sending <laughs> them home <laughs> here i'm gonna get you hooked on this game go ask your mommy for it <laughs> <laughs> Did you give him candy? No, I introduced him to video games. <laughs> a, ga- a, a habit so expensive you won't even be able to afford <clears throat> drugs. Yes, ex- exactly, exactly. I, I think that's uh, I, I think that's why a lot of mechanics don't tend to be drug users because they can't freaking afford it. <laughs> I have a buddy who's a mechanic, 
Oh my god, the amount of money he spends on tools. Holy that Yeah. Yeah, it's it's insane. And you're like, how many tools do you need? How many different controllers do you need? Touche. <laughs> See, I'm real picky about my controllers, though. Like, I had, uh, it was called the Moonwalk Edition, or it was the Moon Edition. It was white with gold triggers. And then it had a black background. And it was, like, it was like an original edition, or it was like a first edition for the Xbox. And I decided to go, you know, go bigger about go home. And then the controller, the 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 analog sticks, analog sticks started to get a little uh, loose. I liked a lot of resistance on that, and so as soon as those got loose, I picked up a brand new controller, and I've been using that one ever since then. And I can start to feel them getting a little loose. It's almost time for that third one. Yeah, that's that's like I was I was complaining the other day about the difference between her controller and mine. You know, she's got the upgrade on the Xbox, and I'm still using old busted 360. And there really is a difference. Like, mine's mine's a bit on the stiff side. Hers, mm. oh my goodness, like, it's so loosey-goosey. Mm. But she seems to really, she seems to really excel using that particular controller. Because when she uses mine... She gets frustrated because it's so stiff. That's so weird that you can find you you find that thing that is yours, and you're like, oh, well, no wonder you beat me. It's, yeah, I I got the wrong controller. I need a better setup. I need my controller, and then I'll kick your ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sometimes, it, sometimes the orange or not the orange, but the uh, sometimes the the game controller is just. It means something. Like I was telling you the other day about the orange controllers that I had for the GameCube and mm. how that was such a big find for me because you you can't find those suckers everywhere. Now you can get on eBay for them and stuff like that. I found these suckers just hiding in a box at an old gaming store. Those are the best finds in the world. Oh, and I was shocked. Everything still worked flawless. I mean, That's the best. That sucker was just hanging out in a box. The girl goes, oh, we were just going to chuck those. I'll take it. Yeah. Are you sure? We don't even know if they work. I'll take it. I don't care if they work. I'll display them suckers. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm, I'm displaying. I got a, I don't know if I, uh, if I sent you a picture of it, but I've got a gold controller just chilling on my shelf. It's an old 360 controller that died on me. And I, I saw one day they had a gold plate and I was like, I will be back for that in a minute. And that's, yeah, yeah, it just, it's a, it's a beautiful display piece and it's a nice piece to talk about. God. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of getting down into it. (laughs) Yeah. Getting, getting down into it a little bit. Um, we, wow. Uh, I'm just looking at the timer right now. Uh, we've been talking about video games for 55 minutes. Oh, and the bad thing is, is there's so much more that can still be said. (laughs) There is absolutely so much more that can be said about video games, but this is not just a video game podcast. This is a podcast about anything and everything. And I know that we were talking about movies before this, before we decided to jump on here. And we were talking Um, about the, the adaptations from books to movies. And you were telling me about Sin City. Yeah. Um, I, I love the graphic novel. I do. I like the edginess to it, and I like how gritty it is. It is just, 
it, it, it's it's basically it basically glorifies the slums. <laughs> <laughs> And when they announced that they were going to be releasing the Sin City movie, oh my goodness, like, I wanted to be first in line. I was all over that. I wasn't underwhelmed by it. I mean, the movie was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The They stood true to the artwork, that's for certain. They did. You know? I, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that people it, loved yeah. it. Yeah. It was, it was lots of heavy, you know, black blocking with quick, kicks of real vibrant color it it sucks you in but there was there was so much that had been left out little side notes little side stories a little more info into the back you know the backstory as to how did these two characters interact before how do they know each other mm-hmm. it it was a little it was a little disappointing i mean it didn't take away from the fact that it was a phenomenal movie yeah it was it was just a little disappointing. And who doesn't like Jessica Alba and a pair of chaps, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's what sold a lot of people on the movie. Oh, no, I saw Bruce Willis and I was like, I got to see this. <laughs> I I mean, it, it was one of the more uh, one of the more I, I want to maybe say derogatory parts of the movie or one of the more grotesque parts. But the, the dude with the yellow face. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like, I just remember that being a striking moment in the movie where everything else is in black and white, but his face is that shade of yellow. And I just, yeah, yeah, that, that the contrast that that movie had was, was excellent. Didn't they release like a colored version of it too? Like a little while Um, ago. I, you know, I'll be absolutely honest and totally embarrassed to say, I don't know. I've, I've been a little bit out of the scene for a while. Um, I will definitely be looking that up if they did. Well, that, that might be a uh, Google time. Yeah. Sin City <laughs> color uh, DVD. I, cause I oh, could have swore I, I read something where they, they did release like, it was like a color, like they released like a black and white and they, they did a bunch of stuff with it. But yeah, I, I, I very, vividly remember a lot of the contrasts that were part of that movie and it just it really made the movie i think that much better when they had just the little splashes of color and it made you really recognize certain aspects of the movie it was really good yeah, though. i really enjoyed that, it that yellow you were talking about it it almost made it almost made the villain seem more of a villain yeah but- kind of that I'm here. Look at me. I'm what you're supposed to be focusing on. I, I mm. loved that about it. I, I mean, even that uh, that dude get that gets beat up and with all the you know all the stickers all over him and stuff like that, or all the little things. Just how much extra brightly they pop against his white shirt, and it's it's more like it's an anim, you know, it's more like an anime sticker on him to show how much extra he's hurt. Like they did a lot of I. It, I don't even think it could be outdone if they did like a second movie that way. I don't, it, it was one of those one-offs where I think it's, that's going to be the only one that they can do like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, I think the, I find that the, the way they colored it with the black and the white and everything like that, and then throwing in the bursts of color, they had, uh, Oh, what is his name? Toby something or other. My brain has just gone completely goofy. Um, 
Gosh, what is his name? Oh, no, not Toby. It was Elijah Wood. Ignore my special. (laughs) It made it made Elijah Wood's character in that movie look so creepy. I mean, he's he, he doesn't have that creep factor to him. But in that movie, boy, I believed he was a bad guy. Like there was no getting around it. I believed it. Oh yes, him. Wow, he was creepy yeah. as sin in that movie. It was it was a little it was a little out there. I, I you know, and Tarantino was one of the directors for that. So that does not surprise me. Yeah, so it's no wonder because I mean, come on, who can do a movie like Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> Oh boy. That's, that, that's, yeah. that's somebody I get excited about when I see the name on the bill. It's like, ooh. <laughs> are, isn't there like a fan theory or isn't there like a, um, uh, I forget what those are called, but where like all of his films take place in all the same, in the same universe. Oh, you know, that's a new one to me. Yeah. Because I, I think it was like Pulp Fiction uh, takes is technically a movie inside of one of his movies. It, like Pulp Fiction was maybe in like Kill Bill. I don't know. It was some, it was it was an interesting an interesting theory that that I had I'm seen. I'm gonna have there. to look that up. That sounds cool. Well, I mean yeah. Stephen King. You'll notice uh, if if you're a big Stephen King reader, a lot of his movies have things that tie together. Um, in a majority of them, the same color keeps coming up. It's this ominous green oozy color. You'll see it in like you see it in the Tommy Knockers, and uh, I'm trying to think of other ones that correlate with it. Um, a lot of his movies all are not movies, but his stories tend to interchange with each other, or they occur in in the same state. Uh, a lot of them seem to take place in Maine. And I've often wondered, do do they all kind of interact in the same timeline? Or and now that you're mentioning it about you know the Tarantino stuff, I I think I need to uh, sit down and maybe hunt through some of the tabloids and see. <laughs> I've 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 read a few uh, read a few like little snippets of Stephen King and stuff like that, but I mean the man puts out so many books. I mean he just. It's so insane how he can pump out so many books and people love every single one that he puts out. He's just um, a writing machine. And I want to know how do you how do you keep pushing out stuff that's good? I mean, you can sit down and and push out book after book after book, but you're going to have a few of them in there. They're going to be kind of a do. Yeah, but he he definitely puts them out there, and people absolutely love a lot of his books. I mean, it was a massive hit. Um, you know, there's a there's a bunch of them out there that just are so well written. I, the man's a, a a genius. He's he's just an absolute genius with how he writes. Now he's got he's got one. It's called Gerald's Game. Um, I do believe Netflix had a they they had done a movie adaptation of it. Um. Basically, husband and wife, they're having some marital issues. He's trying to spice things up in the bedroom, and she's just completely fed up with the way he does that. She's handcuffed to a bed through 90% of this story. How do you develop a story 
around somebody who is, you know, in a stationary position, handcuffed to a bed. He gives detail about the sounds of a gate banging and a dog barking. And you actually feel like you are there stuck, unable to move, hearing all this happening around you. When I read that book, I mean, I already knew I liked him, but when I read that, I absolutely became a fan and I could not wait to grab his his next big hit. Stephen King you know, is absolutely that, yeah, that's you would somebody would get bored after a while or that it would be long winded. I couldn't put the dang thing down. Well, have you seen the movie Phone Booth? Now I have oh. I have passed over that so many times. Is it is it something that would really be worth watching? Well, it's just it's the same concept. The the guy um there's like I, I don't know if he's like a serial killer or what, but Kevin Costner um, no, not Kevin Costner. Uh, the dude from 24. God damn it. Now I gotta, John, I, no, are we thinking um, John back? phone booth movie. There we go. Uh, no, it's with, oh my God. Phone booth movie cast. There we go. We'll do this. No, Kiefer Sutherland is a suit. <gasps> Kiefer the original vampire. <laughs> <laughs> when vampires didn't sparkle. <laughs> when, when vampires didn't sparkle. <laughs> I've never seen that. But Kiefer the Sutherland, he plays a serial killer. And Colin Farrell is uh, this guy by the name of Stu Shepard, who's kind of a con man. Um, in, in kind of the sense that he uh, he's a big shot. He lives a dual life. He's got a wife and a girlfriend. He's kind of someone special in the in the like he's one of those guys that like deals with movie stars and, and sets up all these cool deals. And he's a little bit of a middleman that sets up these really cool things and people think he's cool for it. And well, there's some like bad history with it. And Kiefer Sutherland like calls him on his bullshit. He's like, dude, you're nothing. I'm going to kill you in this phone booth if you don't do these certain things. And 90 percent of the movie like the first maybe 15 minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes, he's out doing his stuff and you kind of get a little idea of who Colin Farrell is. But then all of a sudden he answers a phone call in a phone booth and Kiefer Sutherland's like, hey, bro, I'm going to kill you if you don't leave this. And then he shows him, hey, I'm for real here. I can kill you. And the movie takes place just surrounded in this phone booth, all centered on this phone booth for like an hour or so where you just chill in the phone booth. And it's it's insane. Like it. It's a real, oh, I liked it. It's a good thriller. I'm not passing it over. Um, I do think Hulu has it, so I might. Well, yeah, if I've passed it over, it would have to be Hulu because, you know, I'm, I got tired of Netflix. I had watched everything I could watch, <laughs> and they don't rotate out their movies very often. No, they don't. They really don't. And, and my big complaint with Hulu is I'll put something on my save list because I really want to watch that. And then it expires before I have a chance to watch it, <laughs> <laughs> which is it's extremely frustrating. And it has it, it has uh, incited many, many, many Amazon SIFs to buy more movies that I don't uh. need. <laughs> You've seen my collection. I don't I need any more. <laughs> uh, that I that's that is the one thing that I do not like about Hulu is how Hulu can expire stuff like that's why i like netflix i have some shows on netflix 
that I just know. Like I've, I want to watch this one. I, I it's like uh, I think it's about serial killers, but it's it's some of the newer ones, some of the newer aged ones. Uh, oh. About yeah, it's some of the newer killers who who have been captured and they've actually can do like real interviews with them. I know <gasps> that that's going to be there for quite some time. I know oh, for a fact yeah. it's not going to go away. You know, whereas with Hulu, you said interview them, you 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 grabbed my interest right there when you said interviewing with them. It was like, oh, I may go back to Netflix. <laughs> yeah, but like it's one of those things where all of a sudden, you know, with Hulu, I put something on that watch list. I actually had something expire. I was like, well, shit. Now I have to dedicate. I want to be able to sit down and just go. Yep, I want to watch that thing that I wanted to watch three or four months ago. I don't want to be like, well, I got to watch this now because it might disappear. Yeah. I don't want to have to do that. Oh, I mean, I, I, who's good for one thing, one major thing, marathon watching. Well, it, Netflix I, is good for two. Oh, I don't know. I, I always had issues with that. I mean, yeah, there are some things from Netflix that I, I got started on watching and then the season ended and I became an impatient person and mm. I didn't want to wait. So I went to another, they're you know another provider oh everybody's mm. talking about it and i haven't seen any of it <laughs> yeah what I did. It up? you what the the show <laughs> oh. on netflix you the uh the stalker killer guy i watched oh. I, I looked at it i read it over i was like yeah, okay i'll peruse this i was flipping hooked like i could not stop watching I I gorged that full first season straight through in one sitting. See, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I hate that so much. I hate I hate that. I, I hate jumping into something when it's still going on, because I know we talked about this the other day. But uh, oh, what was it? The Ozarks. Have you heard of oh, that one? Yeah. 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 I got really lucky because my mom kept telling me, she's like, Jared, watch the Ozarks, watch the Ozarks. And I was like, I, I got other shit I got to do, mom. I'll watch <laughs> it when I watch it. And then I, I got really lucky because I was like, you know what? Let's start the Ozarks. I got, you know, I, I ran, I got finished The Witcher. I finished uh, a couple of docu-series that I kind of wanted to finish. I was like, all right, let's go ahead and watch the, you know, the Ozarks. I got super lucky because as soon as like I was getting to the last two episodes, they dropped season two. I was oh. like, fucking tits McGee here. So I Ooh. was able to finish season two. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait. Now there, there's a continuation. And I'm like, when is season three up? And now season three just dropped. But I'm in that limbo stage because I like don't really remember the storyline. And I don't, you know, you're like, I got to go back and watch everything over again to kind of pick back up where we're off of where when parks and when I, when I started on parks and rec, I could just go play and, Oh, that's the end of it. Okay, great. I can move on with life. <laughs> you oh know? my gosh. Now, see, I had the same issue with, uh, I, I am a, I know it's cheesy and corny, but I am a huge fan of the supernatural series. Ah. Um, there's so much, that is thrown into every episode and every season, so many different supernatural characters and monsters and events that by the time you reach halfway through all of the, the seasons, you have already forgotten what happened in season one and two. And now you got to go back. 
Uh, see, that's that's so bad. I, I'm, I like it. I'm very. I'm a simple, simple guy, which is kind of why I, I like the Ozarks. It's about drug. It's about drug laundering money. It's about laundering money for a criminal cartel. That's really all it's about. And then, like like Breaking Bad, it has this a very simple concept. You know, it's all about him trying to pay for his chemotherapy or whatever. Uh, I think yeah, it's the chemotherapy. Like, I I don't want to get that invested. Like those superhero movies and stuff, uh, like uh, Iron Fist or whatever it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I remember watching that with one of my friends, and she was super into it. And like every couple of episodes, it'd be like, "Who's that again?" She's like, "Oh, that's so and so." And I I don't like when there's I think it's cool that they can build those big universes, but I'm yeah. a very, I, I, I've told you guys this and I've told many people before I shut my brain off. I don't need to, I don't want to have to be like remembering 50 different people. I just give me five or six people and we can call it a day. <laughs> uh, now I see why you like the walking dead because they kept the cast small. And as the cast started getting bigger, they started killing off all the members from the beginning up or the beginning seasons. Yeah. I, we were, we were talking about it earlier to the people who aren't listening. Uh, this is actually why we started the podcast was because we were getting too deep and talking about <laughs> movies and TV shows, but the walking dead, I actually stopped watching when the love triangle hit. Like as soon as the love triangle hit and it got super soap opera. That's actually when I quit. Oh, uh, you made yeah. it further than I did. Yeah, I I made it to the love triangle and I was like, nope, this is dumb. I'm done. I don't. Well, and, yeah. and it's like I told you when, because I I just love horror movies. I mean, I don't care if it is low budget or you know show stopping, fantastic. I love horror movies, and zombie zombie films are just oh, that that to me is amazing there's there's something cool about it i've even had discussions with friends of mine about well what would you do i mean and we're <laughs> we're getting nitty-gritty with it we're talking about bug out bags and oh, yeah. shelters and i mean we would really get into it so when it was advertised and they were hyping it up i my curiosity was piqued how how on earth are you going to turn this into a running series? Like, I did not think it would be possible to even run as long as it had. Right. I, I would not have given it that credit, but I made it to like episode, I think it was like four or five before my disappointment started to take over. It just was like, okay, yeah, no, all you're doing is just kill a zombie here, kill a zombie there. Oh, and here's the inner workings of the drama show. I don't yeah. want them. I want to watch you kill zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's Zombieland with uh, oh God. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. I I'm super. Woo! I am so terrible at people, but yeah, Zombie. I think that's why Zombieland was so good because it it didn't have that drama, but there was constant. It 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 would be uh, a kill fest, and then they would a little bit of a movie, and then they'd go right back to the kill fest. You know, and it and they it would. Beautiful note of comedy to it too. Oh yeah, I I gotta get I gotta watch it again so that way I can watch Zombieland Double Tap. I was so excited to hear that they were making a second one after I watched because oh. I watched I liked I I watch movies super late so when I saw Zombieland I was like this movie's amazing. Are they coming out with a second one? Yep, Zombieland Double Tap is a real thing. I was like great, but mm -hmm. it's it's that 
that time in between again where I've just I haven't had the the urge to watch it. You know, I haven't been in that mood. Uh, yeah. Well, and they had such a great cast, a, just such an awesome, awesome cast. And, and you know, most people went to see Emma Stone. I actually it, watched it for the scrawny kid. Oh, for uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, I like Jesse Eisenberg. I don't like him in a lot of things, but just when I found out that he was going to be a main character, I was really hoping that they would do that really kind of scared, edgy kid that was really shy and awkward. And I was like, how is he going to survive in the zombie apocalypse? And then when they paired him with Woody Harrelson's character, who was just this super extroverted character, I was like, oh, this plays perfectly. That's right. God bless rednecks. (laughs) God bless rednecks. I I gotta say when they first did the opening for the uh, for the first Zombieland, I really did his character really did appeal. You know, here he is just this just this basic everyday kind of dorky guy who stays cooped up in his apartment gaming all the time, drinking Mountain <laughs> Dew Code Red. Yeah, he was easy to relate to. So easy, and. Because, you know, we were talking about the social distancing and everything like that and how people don't interact like they used to. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he discusses that he, he stays pretty isolated, I think that really, really made him easy to relate to because we're all very isolated simply because life has been made very easy for us. Oh, yeah, Everything's sure. right at the tip of our hands in a controller. I, but I, mean... I love the dorky character. I loved it. I as soon as he was like, "Oh, the girl next door," I was like, "Nope, that's me." Yep, I know exactly. Yeah, I can relate yeah. to that. And then you know, she's like, "Oh, I don't feel good. Can I hang out with you?" And the sleepover. And then I was like, "God, yep." There's that typical person who doesn't mention that she got bit or whatever, you know. And I just I thought it was perfect. And then just how it went from he had no idea what was going on to this massive explosion kind of like what we're dealing with here in today's pandemic it's the same thing like i i am that isolated individual like when i first started hearing about even though i work uh in in an industry that takes into consideration a lot of the news i still find it amazing how all of a sudden just one day it exploded and i just was just like what was i doing where was i what was what was going on and i just thought it was some it was just like another flu thing that was happening like i had that that original thought, oh, it's just the flu version 2.0, it's not too bad. And then all of a sudden it exploded and it's this big thing. Now I'm like, oh, damn, I was totally wrong. And the movie itself speaks amazingly to this pandemic that's going on, just of how all of a sudden it's from nothing to just this massive big thing. Whew, that was deep. Oh, I did I did go deep. I'm sorry that there, fellas. That was deep. Man, you were not a kiddie pool. Oh, I, I, I mean, know we don't... If we're going to hit on uh, zombie movies mixed with comedy, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Oh, my God. That movie is amazing. Simon Pegg. (laughs) (laughs) But that one has that that happy ending note to it. Whereas in Zombieland, it still stays that that apocalyptic kind of, you know, environment. With Shaun of the Dead, they gave it this twist where – all of a sudden there there are activists for zombie rights (laughs) (laughs) and i'm I'm sitting here wondering okay how's this gonna correlate (laughs) 
I just that that ending scene though, where he's got he's got his buddy locked up in the shed, and he's they're playing video games as always. <laughs> and there you go, video games. Yeah. Again, it's tied into everything. Speaking of uh, twisty endings, just to kind of shift gears real dark. Do you remember the movie The Mist? Oh, oh, yeah. my butt sat at the edge of the chair the whole time. I remember, I loved how they made the everyday person in that movie. Yes. That did oh. so, there was no, like, the store clerk was a championship shooter, which was, you know, just out of left field. The guy was a dad. Like, I just loved how they made everybody an everyday person where the, you know, and then that ending in that Jeep. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm getting shivers just thinking about it. Oh, yeah. I I wanted to cry. I mean, like, I got emotional. You know, that's a that's based off of a Stephen King book. I do. Yep. Stephen King. Yep. Yeah. Yet another example of how he can take he can take a plot and pretzel that sucker up and leave the audience going, "Oh, that sucks." And uh, <laughs> and and then that oh my god, I still like. Could you? I I mean I I look back at the movie thinking, what would you do in that situation where all you've oh, known is god. just nothing but disaster, disaster, disaster. And then you're stuck in that situation, like um, that moment of desperation. And then the cloud clears, and the military comes out. And it was the military that you were hearing in the background kicking some ass. Yep, I would fucking yeah. lose my mind. That, woo, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I had, I, I knew I had seen the movie. I liked the movie, but I had up until now completely forgotten that emotional impact that uh that it has on you at the very end it i i love the way they did it too because it it went from the loud rumblings to you hear the four shots and then it's just a deafening silence in the background for a split moment where you take in what's happening and then he's an amazing actor too by the way for for that stuff oh Gosh, yeah. Um, was it uh, Thomas Jane? Thomas, yeah, Thomas Jane. God. I it... Yeah, Thomas I think Cass. I think it's Thomas Jane. Uh, yeah, Thomas Jane, David Drayton. Another point for me. <laughs> I, I, I am so absolutely horrible. Toby Jones, that's the the that's the store clerk. He is such. I I'm surprised he's not cast in more in more movies or I probably just don't watch the movies that he in, but he, he does, does a, a really, lot of low budget. He's really good though. Like I like him in a lot of, like anytime I see him in a movie, he's always really good. He's, he can oh, yeah. play, he can play up that creep factor too. I don't doubt it at all. Yeah. He really can. Yeah, Cause he's got that. He's got that shifty eye look. <laughs> <laughs> he, he definitely has that, that specific look to him. But uh, yeah, do you remember? Does. You remember that real snooty lady, the oh. Marcia Gay Harden, I guess is her name. Yes. That was so thrilling when she ate it. Oh. I 
I, I I was so happy to see that 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 made my day. Like I knew yeah, she... I can't say I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not disappointed at all. God, uh, yeah, but the end scenes that you were talking about, where they uh, they pull back and you hear the shots. I remember holding my breath. Mm-hmm. God. I, just, I didn't. I didn't think they'd do it. I did not think that they would do it. I. I just. I think. I. I was thinking there. I was like, "There's no fucking way. Absolutely no way that he's gonna take." And then it just pop, 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 pop. I was like, "Oh fuck!" Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could not help but go. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god, that was. Re- oh man. That movie um, was so well done. It. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And. <laughs> and it didn't feel like. It didn't feel like it moved too fast because when we were talking about, you know, going from book to movie earlier, mm-hmm. um, you had mentioned that they it seems to move really quick. Yeah. The movie didn't seem like that. It had a good pace to it. I mean, they they led up real well to that quick boom. Here are the monsters. They, they did. They they did it very subtly. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too fast. Uh, the, the book that I was talking about, actually. Have you ever heard of the movie Three? I have not. It's um, well, spoiler alert because it it was a very low budget, very uh, I, I guess you would call it indie title. I think is what you actually call it. Uh, but the movie was about a dude with schizophrenia. Oh. Uh, yeah. So Three refers to his three personalities, who are three totally different people. Um, in the book, the author does such an amazing job at telling the story to where all of a sudden it comes down to the end. You realize, Oh shit, this dude's got schizophrenia. And the, it, it's like a 400 page book and it's, it's really well fleshed out. It's really well written. You have no idea what's going on. The, there's not a lot of jumps, but then I watched the movie and it was a typical hour and a 20 minute movie. And it was just boom, 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 boom. And I was like, Oh no, that's what, no, you're, this is too fast. We're jumping too fast. That, that shouldn't be a thing just yet. And it just, it felt way too fast paced. So you know, it it was a very slow transition to your you know when I was reading the book I was like there's something kind of fucked up about this dude there's there's something kind of jacked up about the way that this the, you know this thing is happening or this interaction that's happening something feels off when you're reading it and then all of a sudden in the movie you're just like uh, oh uh, oh oh the, yeah okay and it just it just intertwines way too fast and it that's that's where yeah. I was talking about like um <laughs> oh, it's, I just I can't stand how quickly they progress. Mm-hmm. The the suspense seems better in the book. Yeah. Have you know. read the graphic novel uh, Wolverine Origins? Oh, eons ago. Yeah. Well, it was like when they came out with the movie. I was super stoked for them to tell the movie, and then uh, again, spoiler alert, they totally fucked up the the entire front of. Uh, I'm your dad. No, you're not. He, you're not his dad. And they jumped immediately to the argument where everybody, where Logan goes on a killing spree, finds out he has bone claws. The whole story leading up to that is what makes it. And they just basically, they take like 10 minutes of the movie to show the origin of Wolverine, that he's some fucked up creature with bone claws, where the whole lead up to figuring out that is in itself an amazing story. And there, there was maybe 
10 pages that were taken out of the movie and then the rest is just fabrication. I think yeah, the they only re- snuffed it. Yeah, they, they super snuffed it because Sabretooth isn't Wolverine's brother. Sabretooth no. is technically the boy of the guy that's that that Wolverine killed. And it's ah, it irked me so much. I had I walked out of the theater. I legit was like, this is fucked up. I want my money back. Dang. Yeah, you you were hardcore serious upset. Well, that was actually the first comic I legit actually read. Really? Well, I had I had I had read a, a manga called Love Hina that I know that I told you about. That was like my first introduction into into movies, and then I I think I went to Iraq, and one of my buddies who was kind of a big comic book fan, he's like, "Why don't you read a Why don't you read a comic book or order some comic books? That'd be fun." I was like, "Okay." So I or, I was like, "What better way to start off with the original comic book badass Wolverine?" And so I I I I got the, his origin story that I think had just released like a year or two earlier. And I was like, all right, let's let's do this. And I saw it and then I heard, oh, they're making a movie about it. And it was it was that it, now like I understand my buddy Alex, who hates movies because he's such a diehard fan. He's read all the comics. I get his hatred because you read this thing. You're like, this is the story. And then they just go, yeah, we're going to take this tiny little piece and then just yeah, we're going to be creative with the rest of it. I get creative liberty. I understand creative liberty by all means. You know, instead of having her by the name of Rose or whatever, the girl that he loves with, you know, name her Jane or Emma Gray or, you know, Tara or whatever. Give her a different name. Give her a different hair color. Maybe make things a little bit differently. I get that. But when you just go, yeah, we're going to take a tiny bit of the story, make it the opening scene, jack that all fucking up and then tell this whole other story. That's not Wolverine Origins. That's that's a new origin. Don't mark it as the the origin of Wolverine. No, it's the fucking movie origin. Especially if he's based on the comic. No, fuck you. That's not based on the comic. That's that's so you. You were cheated, basically. I was cheated out of $10 or however much a movie cost back then. I was pissed. Um, see, and now I feel I feel super, super spoiled. You had you had your first, you know, your first initial experience with falling in love with comics completely annihilated by a movie. The first comic book I ever read was Tank Girl. And their first publication came out in 1988. So, you know, wow. it's right around that time frame. Um, so when they made the movie, it, it had me just, I was like on cloud nine because nobody I knew had ever heard of it. They're like, what, what is that? Seriously, you did not know this was based off of a comic? I was thrilled to find that the movie really held up well with the comic. I mean, granted, the comic had been around for far longer, and they couldn't exactly expand upon it. And I'm very disappointed they didn't do more. I mean, Hmm. personally, I think that would have made a fantastic TV series, but I'm sure it's an unpopular opinion. (laughs) But it stayed so true to the comic book that that's one of those that I can watch over and over and over the scenes where she's sitting there going, I won. I, I will never get that out of my head ever. I, yeah, I, I was, I was definitely cheated out of my very first adaptation. I, I'll, I still remember, uh, I, <laughs> bubbling with rage. <laughs> oh, you have, you have my deepest sympathies. You do. I, I'd pat you on the shoulder right now if I could. 
I absolutely that that I because I, I've I've heard from my buddy Alex who who's definitely been on the podcast twice now, um, but he's he's told me how like because like he's my go to guy when Marvel was spewing out all those movies with with everybody and he oh really introduced God. me to Marvel. Oh yeah, I, he would be my go to guy. I'd be like, oh who's that? He's like, oh that's so and so, and I would ask him afterward and I'd be like, hey man. Uh, you know, how did this relate to the comics? And, and when he would say fairly well done, I haven't had that experience where I've read a comic and then it's been a fairly well done adaptation of it. I had that one time and I think that's I, I think that's why to this day I don't want to read a book or read a comic and then watch a movie or vice versa where I see a movie. They're like, oh, this is based on a comic and then read the comic. Like uh, there's a YouTube series called Helsing Abridged. Where they make they they kind of do a really comedy offspring, offshoot of a uh, anime called Van Helsing, uh, about a vampire hunter who is really badass. But I watched, yeah, I did it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, and I saw the abridged version because I was shown it by an old ex of mine, and then I was like, oh, this is badass, this is hilarious. And she's like, yeah, it's based off an actual thing. I was like, oh, let's watch the real thing. And I just couldn't help but be disappointed because it's like, where are all the scenes that I'm seeing or where's all the funny? And she's like, no, the real thing is very, um, what's it called? It's very, uh, it's it's not drama-y or it's not funny, but it's very dark and it's, you know, it's yeah. real action. Yeah. And I, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Greediness. Yeah. And I, I thought it was good. Like I did like the original, but you have that little bit spoiled for you and you have kind of a thought in your mind on how it should go. And then it's just totally not that thing. You're like, Oh, these are two totally yeah. different things. Well, I, I would watch, uh, not watch, but, uh, I would read the Witchblade comics when I was back in junior high, which was a long, long time ago. Well, uh, not too long back. I discovered on Hulu, the original Witchblade animated series. Oh my gosh. Like it was, it was a totally different revelation. And I, I think you may have seen my post on Facebook about it. Only I could cry at the end of that. I the, do remember that. Yeah. The end of that series put me in tears but the character's so relatable to my own personal life, you know, single parent and all that jazz, your daughter's your whole universe, blah, blah, blah. And she, you know, spoiler alert, she basically sacrifices herself for her child. And I'm sitting here like a huge baby sobbing, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, the, the animation isn't so great because it is older, but it is a, beautiful beautiful series and i would highly recommend it to anybody who has ever read that comic or totally digs anime well the the older the older ones like that like uh oh what is that movie with the uh akira is it with the iconic red motorcycle hell yes that I was my first that. experience with anime movies i love those older anime movies from the early 80s and 90s the animation style is so pure it is yeah ju it is just amazing i i mean the storylines are kind of weird some of them you know just outright suck but i've seen many i i've seen akira i've seen many movies that are done in that style and i just cannot help but fall in love with stuff like that oh and they're addicting 
Mm -hmm. That's the big thing. They are. They're very addictive. I mean, and if you're going to be addicted to something, hell, make it a movie. Yeah. (laughs) Make it some adventure stuff. Uh, Ghost in the Shell was another one that was, it was epic. The, The artwork was, oh my gosh, just, it was like, it was mesmerizing to, to watch. And Ghost in the Shell was one of those, one of those animes that, really really got me interested and got the jump start on my artwork and i find i keep going back to that style like no matter how hard i try to go with realism i keep going back to that anime style and i i i blame i blame ghost in the shell for that (laughs) i remember watching ghost in the shell on toonami after school i i gave it a shot one day that I loved it. I did actually like the movie adaptation with Scarlett Johansson. Just, you know, I find Scarlett Johansson very attractive. I think I'm biased with that. But, yeah, she, I I, th- I like it. I like the animation style. I like the storylines. I, I liked a lot of what was going on in that movie, and I, I'm right there with you. Those animation styles, especially if done correctly, which, by the way, thank you again for the artwork. Um, those animation styles are just awesome. They They, they always turn out very well. Yeah, another one that went from animation to a movie. Um, I I don't know. You remember Liquid Television on MTV? Nope, I was never a big MTV guy. Oh, let's see. And it was it was the late shows, kind of how you know they've got Adult Hour now on Cartoon Network and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, Liquid Television had all kinds of different cartoons. One of them was Eon Flux. Oh, yeah. It was, the animation is very bizarre. Uh, it kind, is. The characters are all kind of stretched. It, it reminds me a little bit of some of uh, El Salvador Dali's artwork. Very yeah. over-exaggerated, long bodies. And when I heard they were going to do the movie, I was, I, was a little, I was a little taken back. Like, oh, oh this ought to be interesting. How are you going to do this? And I saw who they cast. They put Charlize Theron in. Oh, my God, she was amazing. I mean, granted, it didn't really follow along with the cartoon series One Iota. I mean, not at all. However, they took so many of the environmental elements that were in that that cartoon and incorporated it into the movie, and it was... I think it was just enough to save it. There's a, there's a scene where she's trying to break into uh, break into a building and she, she kind of missteps and almost falls forward. And as she's going forward, the grass, the soft, lush, mm-hmm. plushy grass comes up as needles. Yep. It was wild. Uh, if you hadn't seen that, dude, I, I personally think that might be one that you could get into. I actually, I remember seeing Aeon Flux, the, the, I saw the animated series and I'm, I'm right there with you. It was a very interesting way to draw somebody. And I did see the movie. I didn't, it didn't really make sense to me because I never really got into that universe, but I did see that movie and I thought it was actually very well done. I, when the blades turned in these knife like things, I was just like, Oh, that's yeah. Okay. Or the chick that had hands for feet. That was just weird. 
<laughs> right? And there's the big difference between the two that I had noticed. And one of the major reasons why I didn't mind my kiddo watching the movie, the cartoon is very over-sexualized. I mean, they, I can understand why they put it on, you know, on the After Midnight program. Oh, yeah. And I can't, I can't believe my father used to let me watch that. <laughs> I think it explains why I am the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> but it's things like that that you know, watch things as as I as I move towards some of these newer movies, all these remakes. I think that older stuff really, really defined my expectations, and I think it's why I have kind of a very under you know, I, I'm underwhelmed by a lot of them. Well, why would you, why would it, why would it cause you to be underwhelmed? Well, cause like, so growing up, uh, you know, reading your Iron Man comics and stuff like that. I've had numerous years to develop my own personal opinion and my own personal attachment to the character. So, when they recreated Tony Stark in the movies, I already had an expectation there. Mm. Now I'm not saying that Robert Downey Jr., the God amongst gods did not do a good job because boy, I, I think he was the epitome of everything that Tony Stark was it, it overly yes. confident, cocky, arrogant, but rightly so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and again, he's he kind of falls into that anti-hero that I had talked with you about a few days ago and why I like Deadpool so much. He's the anti-hero. He's not in it to, you know, get all the, the glory and stuff. However, Tony Stark, oh, yeah, give him that glory. He He runs off of that. Oh, yeah, he does. But I think that's why I have a hard time going from graphic novel, comic book, and book to the movie. Because when you're reading, you're developing your own opinion of how this person moves, how they look, the way they're going to respond. You've developed your own tone. So when you see it in a movie and it doesn't match up with what you thought, you're so disappointed. No, yeah, I I see that because there was a there's a book that I read called Fallen Angels, and uh, it was about a the Vietnam war and, a, a an all black platoon in the Vietnam war. It wasn't until the seventh read through that I really realized that they were all black. Really? So they yeah. don't come right out and say that. Well, I should have gotten it from the beginning because it was a black. I, I think the, the front was a, was a black soldier with a, uh, or a, should I say African-American? I'm not sure. I'm very unpolitically correct. But he was holding them sixty, wading through the tall grass, and I was like, okay, you know. And I just, you know, the name. I mean, some of them I knew that they were of of a different color than myself, and I mean, there were some wild street names where they called people that. But you know, I was thinking that you know, there there were some Hispanics, there were there's some African Americans, there were some white guys. There's you know, I, I thought it was a whole mix of a bunch of just people in the platoon that they were talking about. And then it was like, like I said, like the sixth or seventh time I read the book because I kept forgetting about it, that there was a lot that I had remembered. I was like, oh, they are all African-American. I was like, wow, I didn't realize that. And you're right. You, you build that 
that whole idea in your head of like, oh, Joker, he's the guy from Texas, uh, you know, street smarts. I, these aren't their, their actual real nicknames in the movie, but you, you, you come to terms with like who they might be based upon the way that they describe them. So, so basically when you first went through to read it, you were, you were pretty much just kind of colorblind to it. You, you saw everybody as just tons of different races. You were, you were absolutely colorblind to the fact that, Oh my gosh, this is an all black platoon. Yeah. I, I was super colorblind. I had, I like, yeah, I had no idea. I was just, because, you know, every time I'd watch a military documentary or every time I watched uh, a TV show or a movie about the military, you know, there's that guy from Texas. There's the dude who's from the Philippines. There's the guy from the streets of Chicago, you know, and they're all thrown the in the mix. And they're, yeah, they're all stereotyped, but they're all put together and they all work off of each other. Well, you know, uh, the the guy from Chicago, he's hardened. He helps teach the guys things. Uh, the dude from Texas helps, you know, the guy from the Philippines shoot and stuff like that. And you're just like, oh, you know, these are the characters that you see typically. So when I read the story... I just, I totally had no idea until that, that final read through. I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, it's still, it's, it, it, it didn't change the movie or it didn't change the book for me at all. I just thought the book itself was absolutely phenomenally written. Hence the t- 10 times that I've read it, but still like, I just, you know, you, you're right. You develop that idea of the kind of character of, of who that person actually is. Let's see. And I'm going to go ahead and I'll just, I'll throw my dorkdom out there just ever so slightly. Um, I received, when when Twilight first came out, I received the full set as a gift. Uh, They were beautiful, gorgeous hardbacks. Oh, just a beautiful, beautiful set. And I completed the entire series in one week. I I could not put it down. And I don't really... A lot of that stuff. Like, that's not normally my genre. So no sparkling when movie, vampires don't do it for you? No, no, no. no <laughs> I want my Keith Thurston. My Keith Thurston. Keith God, that name. Keith Thurston. <laughs> <laughs> I want my vampire with a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Keanu Dracula. I mean, Dracula. <laughs> But I decided, okay, cool. I'm going to go see these movies. I'm going to join the Teeny Boppers. I, I must have been the oldest person in that theater. <laughs> oh, my God. I was pissed. Now, I understand the main character, Bella, is, you know, she's a little awkward, like socially awkward, a little clumsy, stuff like that. But I still envisioned that character as a strong being, you know, the, the kind who could really put her foot down when necessary. Mm -hmm. Well, when I watched the movie, I was so disappointed. They turned her character into an extremely mousy and just, she looked uncomfortable throughout the whole movie. Like maybe, Maybe it's just because it was it was Kristen Stewart. I don't know, because Kristen Stewart always looks like she has to take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> she is such a bad. I I I I've, I I haven't heard that one, but I have definitely heard 
I, and like, as I've seen a couple of the, you know, where they're talking about her, like she just doesn't have, she has zero emotion. Yeah. Like she does though. She always looks uncomfortable. So through every single movie, I was a brave soul. I watched them all through every single one. She didn't seem to grow into the character. I hate you would that when there's no movie three, she would grow into the character. I hate that. It was almost painful. Well, have you ever watched those movies where there's zero character growth whatsoever on any front? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's it's such it's a painful. letdown. It's so painful to watch. It, like you, you can hear your brain cells slowly committing suicide. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, <laughs> There's a movie that it's, 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 it's you don't grow into it, but it, it's so forced upon you. Uh, you ever seen the movie Fury? Yes. Fred? The I felt I personally felt that the character the character backstories. I, I mean, I understand why they did it now because I've been able to do a deep dive on it. But when you were thrown into the tank crew, they already had their backstory. But I felt zero sympathy when they were getting mowed down. I know that the movie was trying to be like, oh, feel sorry for these guys because they're all dying and they're all brotherhoods and blah, 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 blah. But I was like, I feel nothing for them. I cannot connect with believable. them. believable. Yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can believe the brotherhood and you can show me the brotherhood and I can get into the brotherhood, but I need that backstory. Yeah. And that's, that's what helps you connect to the character. That is where your sympathy or, or, you know, hatred mm. comes in. It's that backstory. And when you're denied that, it, it, it's kind of like, oh, great. So you're going to tease me and send me away with blue balls. Way to go. <laughs> All right. That was probably a very, very bad. <laughs> that was perfect. I apologize. No, that's fine. I'm going to leave that in. I don't even give a shit. <laughs> That's that's awesome. Um, that's probably the dirtiest thing that's ever been said on this podcast, and I've 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 cussed quite a bit. Um, and I have been refraining. I I appreciate it because I know you have a mouth. You have a mouth on you. Um, have you ever? Uh, I just the final thing that I want to talk about because this is almost a two-hour podcast, and there's nothing wrong with a two-hour podcast, but it's not something I typically normally do. Um, but have you seen Ghost Rider, the Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider? Yes, I have. Did you like it? Oh, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I can take it or leave it. You I know, if even it's on, I'll sit and watch it, but I'm not going to purposely pick it off the shelf. I actually couldn't get through it. Really? Yep. And, and that's, that's that kind of bad character development that I'm talking about. Nicholas Cage for me is real niche. Like he's either awesome or he just sucks. I ab yes, I absolutely agree with you on that one. Absolutely. And, I mean, it started off. He became Ghost Rider, and I was watching. And I was like, okay, okay. When am I gonna get into it? And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go do something else. Leave it on, on his background noise. I think I made it 30, 45 minutes into the movie where I was just like, all right, I'm done. I gotta turn this thing off. The first time I watched it, because. I've read the comics because, you know, I roll with the dorks like that. Um, first time I watched it, I was watching it with an ex-boyfriend of mine, and he was continually asking all these questions. Uh, 
particularly when uh, when he was doing his uh, his penance stare. Mm-hmm. And the the ex is sitting there going, "I don't understand. I don't understand." And I had to stop the movie to sit and break this down for him. Uh, and that was what did it for me. The fact that I had to sit and explain this, it ruined the movie for me. I hate That's that. That's something that, that should have been elaborated on. I hate that, there, that when there's that little tiny thing that just all of a sudden, it's just like, yep, nope, that that one small little thing. And it, it was just his his inability to be the because i had seen snippets of the ghost rider and i was like he's he's a badass but just watching those little snippets and going okay he's supposed to be a badass i can't see nicholas cage as that badass i just i, don't I cannot see it either it. i i don't see it either and there were scenes where uh, he was kind of trying to pull off that just wah, crazy sort of thing mm-hmm. and and some of his facial expressions and it didn't, it didn't, I mean, it was amusing and it was very Nicolas Cage, Yeah. but it did not resonate for me because I did not see the character that way. But again, that comes back to that. I have a history of a relationship with that character. Mm-hmm. I, I did that thing. I, I, I grew up with him. I, I saw him begin. I started it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that comes that comes full back to the whole video game stuff. You know, you got that perfect circle back to it. Our generation, we grew into it. We watched this come to be. We started with the crappiest of crappy graphics. No storylines, no backdrops. You know, you couldn't interact. And we have watched that that industry completely do a turnaround and come into full bloom you have developed you've developed a relationship not so much with a particular game or genre but with the overall the overall industry of gaming i think that's why i find that history so so cool Mm mm-hmm I'm right there with you. I, I mean, you started off with little blocks and squares that you couldn't go past. Now, like in the game Warzone that I was playing that I was talking to you about earlier, if I can't open a fucking door, I'm livid. I'm like, why is that door not accessible? Why even put this building here? That's so dumb. That's a waste of space. Make it an open, accessible room. I don't care if there's already 15 buildings around there and the 16th building doesn't have a doorway. If you're going to make it accessible, nothing is accessible. And I'm, I'm right there with you. The evolution... Going from absolutely, you know, the only doorway that you can open, walk through is an open doorway to now being able to hold X and open the door completely, kick open the door, or maybe slightly open it so you can pie that corner. The evolution of video games and the evolution of the, the movie industry has, has just expanded so much that you go back for the nostalgia and you go, I can't believe that I used to find this stuff awesome. Yeah. So and what we have now. And for as crummy as some of the movies can be, I love watching I love watching the <laughs> two of them married together. I love watching that correlation where they try to take that that game that meant so much to you and turn it into, you know, a series or, you know, a cinematic adventure. I I 
I, I definitely, I definitely am over here clapping, saying thank you for the try. And <laughs> I'm sorry you failed, but thank you for trying. <laughs> it means something to my inner child. And hey, you made a movie. How many people can say that they made a movie? You know, I can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tara, now you can officially say that you've made a podcast. So there's that. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Well, Tara, I, I really want to thank you for coming on. I, I really appreciate you talking. And I mean, if you're down to do more and the audience wacha, loves it, uh, we'll definitely have more. So uh, we're going we're gonna to end it on that. I'm, I, I'd love to keep talking to you, but I definitely have a bunch of stuff that I have to do like eat dinner and go to sleep for work tomorrow. So. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Thank you. Oh, it's been, it's, it's been a pleasure. Tara. All right, everyone. I love you guys. Remember hit us up on parrot gaming productions. Tara is on Facebook parrot gaming productions. If you ask to join the group, trust me, I would love to add you. If you like the artwork that is at the beginning of all the videos that I have, she is the one that's done all of it. Uh, she's on the group itself. So just hit her up, throw a post out there, ask her for, you know, uh, commissions. She's definitely doing those now. So, all right, everyone have a great rest of your day and enjoy the weekend. <laughs> <laughs>